0: you amazing people out there and welcome to the amazing action comics podcast where we are all about independent comics i'm one of your hosts angel with john pepe how's it going angel it's going good but you know what i'm thinking right now (laughs) this i'm listening i'm watching the intro as we're doing this and i'm like holy (laughs) shit that's really long i'm surprised nobody's complained yet i think we're gonna have to do a new intro and cut it down to like 15 seconds because that's like a good 30 seconds of an intro. <laughs>
1: yeah. You could do, you know, eventually, uh, how shows, um, I was having a lot when we were growing up, shows would have really long theme songs, right? Right. So, and then after a couple of years, they would just cut it down to like one or two notes. Like Lost was just like yes. one note, you know, or, or like, uh, uh, Family Ties, really long theme song, explained the whole story. But by like the end of the show, the theme, the opening was just like they would come out and go, Sha-la-la-la,
0: and then Family Ties, you know. <laughs> so you could just do like a one note. You know, they never did it with Who's the Boss. No, they didn't. They shortened it a little bit, but not that much. So, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: It was was, was in Tony Danza's contract to have him, uh, that shot of him sliding (laughs) into the bases or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, gang. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Comic Review. We've got some books for you this week. Yeah. We're looking forward to uh, discussing. Um, But before we get there, we've got some news uh, from the last week or so. So I'm gonna let you start with your non-indie news because non-indie news, you know, but, but but only because of you know what happened with like the CGC thing and, and now this thing with uh PRH is just everything's kind of fishy with you know stuff that's that's been going awry. So yeah, yeah. Give, give us give us the, give us a scoop on what you got. This is like more like police
1: blotter. So so we have an APB, we want people to be on the lookout. For 12,000 copies of Ultimate Black Panther number one Because apparently something happened at Penguin Random House Who is the main distributor now for Marvel in the US uh, Where they lost 12,000 copies of arguably, you know, the Definitely the hottest book of the month, right? Uh, Maybe not the hottest book of the year yet Because that was Ultimate Spider-Man number one But there was a lot of buzz for this book A lot of people wanted to get their hands on this book and twelve thousand of them are just unaccounted for uh according yeah. to Penguin. Unaccounted Re- for. Yeah. So uh so if anybody who recently quit Penguin Random House or or works for Penguin Random comes in and be like, hey, I I got some comics I want to sell you. You know, well I was- you
0: figure what what's the cover price? I think it was 499.
1: 599.
0: 599. And yeah. it was going for on the aftermarket for how much?
1: Like uh 20, I think 25 four, bucks. Before it hit release, He has like 25 and 30, 40 now. Ultimate Spider-Man is going for like eighty on the after now, but uh, but yeah, just just twelve thousand copies. That's a that's a guesstimate number. It right. is definitely thousands have just gone missing, and it's that's not right. like that UPS truck from a, a couple of years ago that like crashed on the freeway and thousands of comics were just destroyed. Like they're just they're boxes that are unaccounted for apparently of this comic. Yeah,
0: I, inside I, job. Yeah, inside job shady stuff going on so if you have those books give them back please um (laughs) give
1: me a copy because i'd like to read this book
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so in other news this is this is a a bit of sad news and you know Mm -hmm. you know we've been we have artists that we've talked about in the past year that have you know left us and gone up to drawing heaven and art heaven and it seems as we get older year by year we're going to keep losing people i mean tina turner's gone I mean, that's it. I'm done, so I I can you know leave shortly after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just gonna keep losing people. So and and the thing about this person is that there was nothing. There was no indication, unless I, I missed something. Um, but yeah, you know, Paul Weather, nice um, passed away at 76, I believe it was, um, which I think on February 1st. Um, yeah, I and mean, we had just seen him literally in in The Mandalorian, and he was yeah, absolutely he- fantastic. He uh he had
1: a uh an Emmy, Emmy nomination for uh his role as the great grief Karga on the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh he didn't win. Uh you know, he was a great writer, actor, director. He directed I think two of the best episodes of the last season of the Mandalorian. Right. Um I mean just an amazing guy uh by all accounts and one of the things that I heard about uh, a story that I heard about him that I thought was really kind of neat was, um, you know, when they did Commando, him and Arnold, Arnold mm-hmm. was still kind of new, only had a couple movies under his belt at that point. And he, he, he like almost worshiped Carl Weathers. And, you know, because here was a guy who was a, a muscular guy, but it was a really good actor. And, you notice like the way you carry yourself on screen as a big guy, the right. way you deliver lines on screen as a big guy, how you could use that in tandem and not just be a big guy, but, but bring a lot to your performance. So apparently on the set of commando, Arnold was glued to Carl Weathers and learned a lot from him about how to be an actor, especially in an action
0: format. So oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because really- I
0: mean, that was probably one of, I think that came before Rocky. No, it did come before Rocky, right? Uh, no, no, no. That I came mean, after. It came after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Action Jackson even came after Rocky as well, and that was probably oh, yeah. one of the first movies I saw him in. Uh, oh, Action no. Jackson, only because of uh, what's her face? Um, uh, oh, uh, I mean, Yeah.
1: Well, oh. that's the thing. So Carl Weathers was an M- NFL player, and Correct. and then retired. You know, I guess because of injuries or whatnot, uh, retired. And I think Rocky was probably his first real role in acting you know and that put him on the map and you know very easy to come into rocky and be like oh just play muhammad ali and he's like no no there's a guy here and you could see the levels of the human that apollo creed was apollo creed just wasn't a cardboard cutout villain for rocky to fight like he was a guy with a family and and problems and you see that in those first first movie and then in the second movie it carries over that sort of uh antagonistic respect that Apollo had for Rocky for going the distance. Yep. And then and then to take that relationship and then
0: move it into the third movie. Move it into the third mentor. movie.
1: Yeah, like
0: and I really dude, listen. <laughs> I will never forget Rocky 3 just that <laughs> running into the ocean should have been cut out of the movie. There's those shorts with too short. <laughs> the, the tube and socks, the eighties tube pops. socks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but um, I mean, and yeah, I mean, there was so you had him just like being this arrogant asshole in the first one, then just kind of like starting to warm up and, and respect Rocky in that second one, then becoming his mentor so that he can you know beat up Mr. T, and then sort of like that that turn in Rocky Four. So he had this really beautiful arc in the Rocky series. Which was fantastic, and I think that's where most people know him from. Yeah, Um, and I he's done a lot. I mean, even his like comedy chops were were pretty good as well.
1: Oh, Arrested Development! Uh, I heard a great story about Arrested Development. They just kind of wanted to like have him on for one bit, and he's like. No, no, no! How about if I just come on like for a few episodes and like play myself and this version of myself that's just really, you know, and it's hilarious. Have you ever seen these episodes of Arrested Development? He's great. Yeah, he had great comedic timing, great comedic chops. I don't think that Apollo Creed's arc in Rocky would have been what it was if it wasn't for who Carl Weathers was and 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 what he brought to the table. it's funny because shortly after he passed, uh, Giancarlo Esposito posted this uh, this picture of this card uh, with a quote from Carl Weathers. And I actually used this on, on my other podcast the other night, but since you bring it up, I just want to breathe this really quick. Uh, this kind of tells you the kind of man Carl Weathers was. Uh, Believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something inside you that is greater than any obstacle. And I just think that's great.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, BM, uh, BMD Nerd. They were just being bros, being bros on the beach, out loud. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was what that was that was rock three, so that was in the 80s, right? 83, oh. 80, 83, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's bros and then there's bros. Yeah, there's bro. I wasn't digging those well <laughs> for the 80s, it was fine. I just think now when I watch it, I'm just like, I have to fast forward. There's a there's um, a a, a
1: great meme out there that somebody basically took the shot of them running uh-huh. and then in the background put a whole bunch of adats from Empire Strikes back
0: <laughs> sh- shooting lasers
1: at them on the beach I was like that's cool no.
0: <laughs> yeah but we're gonna miss um I mean yeah. what's gonna happen with Mandalorian and projects moving forward he was yeah definitely influential and stuff like that so call weathers yeah knock it out up in uh heaven or wherever you're at so yeah. All right. So uh moving on. Um, the first images of the Hasbro Page Punchers that McFarlane has going on with uh I think um G.I. Joe and uh Transformers. Did you get to see them? I did, I did.
1: Yeah, they're like the little two, three-inch uh page punchers. I get you get they're two packs, right? So you get like uh two yes. figures.
0: Dude, I want Snake Eyes and I want Optimus,
1: yeah, and two comics. Uh I thought that was really neat. Uh, but it's really funny because um they're using the IDW comics, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so the, the ones that Farrell are using for page budgets are IDW comics. But I also noticed Hasbro has another deluxe line of, you know, their six-inch, seven-inch scale uh, right. Transformers figures that are using, like, classic – they're ba- based on classic comics, but using the classic Marvel versions. So oh. it's really interesting to see how this license is now kind of getting – Getting uh, uh spread around, but uh, they look nice. They look really yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm. I haven't got any of the page punches yet, but I think I'm gonna at least spring out for the the Snake Eyes one because I'm a big Snake Eyes fan.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So if you guys don't know what they are, they're pretty much uh re comic releases with little. They're three inch figures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And they're McFarlane, so they they got really cool detail. Yeah. Um. I think they're fully articulate, from what I understand, or well, at least the legs and the arms move and the head move. Um, I don't know yeah. about the wrists and knees and stuff like that, but yeah, check them out, they're pretty cool, he has them for a whole bunch of DC stuff, and then obviously for all his Spawn books as well um, pretty cool, alright, uh, this next bit is going to lead us into something else a little later on, but yeah, it was it was weird because I listened to I got into comics in the early 90s most kids growing up that are our age were reading comics in the 70s and the 80s Um, I just, as much as I wanted to, just could not afford it um, until I got into my teens. um, And then I started, you know, working and and was able to buy my own comics. Um, And about 92 is where Image sprung up. And right before that, you had um, these artists that just really stood out for that particular time, one of them being Rod Liefeld. So, you know, he did New Mutants, got that book to where it needed to be, and then launched X-Force from there, which sold... I should know this by heart because every time he does his podcast, he mentions how many millions of copies it actually sold. But, and it's crazy because we're so far removed from that number. Like uh, Jim Lee's X-Men, um, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, these were comics that sold in the three to five million range. And then when uh, Youngblood launched, I think that was in the couple million range. Mm-hmm. And those first couple of books from those creators were like in that million range. 2 million range. And we haven't seen numbers like that since the 90s. And I don't think we're gonna at all. I think the closest we came was some Batman book uh that was like close to 500,000.
1: Close, but didn't quite hit it.
0: Yeah, it didn't quite get there. So I think anything that's in like over 100,000 in this day and age is, is sort of like the new million. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, because we're never going to get back to those numbers. But yeah, so Rob lifer was one of those creators that I gravitated towards because it was just his art style was just really just, it, it stood out from other people. And I think at that time, these guys were kind of like, not replacing, but with the next generation. So the classics of, uh, who are we going to call out? I, actually, I'm not going to call out anybody. But yes, replacing some of the classics. some of them are still around and doing some really great work. Um, but yeah, you had these, these people that were coming up. And then obviously, they started their own company. Um, but he was just one of the ones that I gravitated to because of the style. And he still gets shit today for not drawing hands or feet, but dude, he sold <laughs> 5 million copies of X-Force.
1: He's good with feet. It's ankles that he had the problem with. I always found because <laughs> it was like tapered. Really. You know, he was, he was one of those guys though, too. Like you can very easily see the Jack Kirby influence just to bring mm-hmm. up an old name, you know, an old guard yep. name. Uh, but you could tell like he really modeled a lot of his style and his, um, his, his, his panel layouts and, and characters, you know, doing the, the thing, you know, very, very Kirby style. And then he just brought something modern to it that people really, really responded to and gravitated to. And if you weren't around at the time, it's really hard to underestimate. He was the guy as far mm-hmm. as um, public uh, uh, facing for for comics so yeah. so you know todd was doing you know bang up work on hulk and and spider-man and that led him you know t- to to go to you know help create image and uh and todd was a name within the comic world um you know and and, and all these other guys were kind of doing, uh, jim lee was was a name in the comic world but it was rob who was on the tonight show to promote young blood. It was right. Rob who got the Levi's five Oh one jeans commercial. Like it was Rob who was the pretty boy and was the, the, the public face, the media face for, for, for a couple of years a there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And young uh, too. I mean, I think man. he was in his either late teens or early twenties when mm-hmm. all of that stuff was kind of going around. So, yeah. I mean, that was a lot of stuff to take on. Um, at such a young age.
1: And then he became Matt Damon for a while and went into acting (laughs) and then he went back to comics.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so he posted not too long ago. I think it was just a couple of days ago. Um, he's sort of retiring from drawing Deadpool. Not retiring from
1: comics, but not retiring from comics, just
0: from retiring from Deadpool. Um, just because he's recognizing that as he gets older, certain faculties will start to diminish. Um, so I think he has one more Deadpool series that he has coming out, I think later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his last Deadpool story uh to tell. I was kind of sad and I mean, and he went on to say that it's gonna be no more Deadpool books, no more Deadpool covers or anything like that. Um and he's still to this day a traditional artist. So he's, you know, pencil to paper, pen to paper, um, ink to paper. Um and he hasn't explored that digital realm and he's admitted that. So that might be something that he might look into later if he continues to you know draw um only because when you're doing paper it doesn't matter what you're using as far as glasses you need a magnifying glass and stuff like that to, to, to lay down paper and stuff like that it's just weird but you know with the computers these days you can actually make everything a lot bigger by pinching in and out zooming tools a lot faster um so yeah so it was it was a little disheartening i mean it's, he's just retiring his announcement from doing anything deadpool wise but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be doing anything himself uh, for himself, I know he's been doing stuff with uh, the Extreme Universe, uh, mm-hmm. so he has some uh, Last Blood that he has uh, going on and whatnot. Um, so I'm pretty sure he's still going to have his projects. I-, I would love for him to get back the Young Blood rights um, mm. and do at least one more Young Blood story because they did he did one with uh, Chad Bauer, I believe. Yeah, uh, not too long ago, which was was okay. I, I mean, I-, I would have preferred him to draw it. Um, I think he just did the story and plot, and then Chad Bowers uh, did the art. But if he can get just one more run, if he can finish off how he started at Image, which was Youngblood, because that was the first comic to actually come out for Image, then that would be fantastic. But yeah, yeah, we wish uh, Rob all the best. I still listen to his podcast twice a week. He just rambles on, and I love it. Uh, There's information in there that I walk away with, Uh, some beautiful nuggets, stuff like that.
1: you know what, I mean, uh, as far as if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to walk away from this character, I'm going to get one more miniseries that I'm going to do, uh, specifically with Deadpool. I mean, this is the year to do it. Yeah, The highly anticipated Deadpool 3 is coming out. So it's just going to kind of up the uh, the anticipation for all that. So, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. you know, wish him <laughs> luck. So talking about the Deadpool movie, and I don't know, I mean, the internet just drives me crazy. Because you can't, you have to weed through what's bullshit and what's real. But I had heard a rumor that, um, what's his face, uh, Wolverine, Hugh yeah. Jackman, yeah. is not well. Really, Did you hear anything about that?
1: No, I didn't hear any. I know that there's a divorce, a separation, and divorce that's happening. Um, also, he is very open about how he, growing up in um, Australia, mm-hmm. he was outside a lot uh, when he was a kid, and he just gets, uh, he's very prone to skin cancer, and mm-hmm. has had several. You know, uh, things happen with his nose that he's had to kind of have his nose redone because of the skin cancer eating away at it. Uh, really? His arms and shoulders and stuff. Yeah, he basically he's like, look, if I had sunburn at any point when I was a kid it is now turning into skin cancer. So he's a big advocate for that, covering up and do that. Uh, A lot of people were like, when they first saw that Wolverine costume, they're like, well, come on, Wolverine should have bare arms. And it's like, no, they're shooting outside. He's very prone to skin cancer. They covered his arms to keep him safe, you know? Um, So that as far as health issues, that's all I really know. I haven't heard anything recent about about that. And
0: I'm going to cut it there because I don't want to start any rumors. I just thought (laughs) I saw something and obviously it was Whatever it yeah. is, buddy.
1: I mean, it is, it is possible because he could just have another because it happened a couple months ago where he had like announced he's like, well, Yeah, we got to postpone filming for a little bit. I think this is before the strike, right. uh, that you know, because I had the skin cancer recurrence, so it could be that could be just what you were reading. I don't know, but uh, oh, all right. yeah, well, see.
0: well the, Rob, we wish you all the best. If you're yeah. listening to this, please just get young blood back, do a, a, a four issue, five issue, six issue miniseries, and I'll be good, just having everybody back from Shaft and, and all the gang, so that'll be good. Um, Alright, cool, so one more thing that I have here, uh, we do have a guest um, that we're going to be bringing on, uh, Dennis Robinson from Head Studios, so look out Tuesday uh, for that interview, uh, which is going to be cool. I'm um, looking forward to having him come on, and I got a couple other people lined up as well, we're trying to get the schedule sorted out and stuff like that. Um, and other news, just so that you guys are aware, I would just these up and stuff like that uh project shadow breed the second volume issue number one still on you have copies that i had printed out just so that i can get like proof copies and stuff like that but the art is absolutely mm-hmm. ooh, ooh, ooh. Randy myers is some really great work um like i said we you know i love black and white comics especially it allows you to do so much more that you can't do with color um and then we have the three variant covers that mm-hmm. kind of connect with each other you have rock jaw I wonder why they call him Draw. <laughs> <laughs> then you have Eddie Embers. I wonder what his power is. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Courtyard, which is probably one of my favorite. Most people really like him. I mean, yeah, everybody has their Joker character, but there's a little bit more complexity to him, which is pretty yeah. cool. So the covers are pretty cool. They're there. So yeah, head over to AmazingActionComics.com. The link is on there, or you can go to Fund My Comic and look for Project Shadow Breed. Uh, it'll be there as well. So a bunch of cool covers and stuff like that. It's, I mean, uh, really great awards um yeah all right so that's the news I think we're gonna dive into it now you did two books Yes. I did one so I'm yes. gonna do the sandwich meat so why <laughs> all don't right. you go ahead first
1: okay so the first book that uh we're gonna talk about today is a new one from awa Artists, writers and artisans the Axel Alonzo publishing uh venture there uh this is a new one by Jay Straczynski, uh who just finished off the madness for uh, the same publishing company, and this is called You and I. And that's the letter U, ampersand, letter I. Uh, This is, so like I said, it was written by J. Michael Straczynski. It is illustrated by, hang on a second, got to go a few pages for the credits. Uh, Illustrated by Mike Choi, lettered by Sal Cipriano. And... um, Again with AWA they like bury their, their Editor credits uh, So we were uh, Senior editor what We're just going to say Michael Coast I can't find anything else here so here we go So <laughs> this is Part of um, AWA's Resistance Universe Comprising this is the Eighth title in the Resistance Universe I used to think that all the AWA stuff Was part of the same universe uh, But no it's just uh, Resistance Resistance Uprising, Moth's all by Jay, written by J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, the two erratic series, Erratic and Recharged, by Care Andrews. Knighted, which, uh, by Greg Hurts and Mark Teixeira, that we really liked. And yeah, okay. a series called The Joneses, by Michael Morici and Alessandra Vitti. That's
0: a superhero family, right? A
1: superhero family called The Joneses, yeah. So uh, basically the hook for the Resistance universe is a deadly plague. Uh, kills about half you know, half a million people or something like or over a million people. Uh, those who don't die uh, either wake up with superpowers or they don't. And so we're dealing with two characters here. Uh, the man is called you because the day of the plague, he wakes up in the hospital. All he can find is one corner of the patient sheet where it says patient name and the letter U, and the rest is missing so he is just known as you and he wakes up he discovers he has powers after this great plague um and he decides to set out set out basically as like a a homeless superhero just kind of walking through the city and writing wrongs and doesn't matter if he gets shot up or stabbed or whatnot because he can heal instantly like wolverine uh mm. great sequence where he's charging at these guys and this guy's shooting at him the guy just shoots his eye out just shoots his eye out and then he you know, closes his eye, opens it up, and you see like the piece of the eyeball flying by, but he opens up, boom, new eye. And he's good to go. Uh, so <laughs> I thought that was a really neat little technique. Uh, I, in this story, is uh, Isabella, or Isabelle, I think. And she is someone who, who succumbed to the plague, but woke up with no powers. Mm. And uh, her father had died during the plague, uh, left his money to her, but has her uncle as sort of the conservator on that. And the uncle is refuses to give her any more money because he thinks she's just gonna waste it and basically forces her to be homeless. Uh so it was really neat setup for that for those two different characters. And um they they come together at the end uh and that sort of starts this story. So I really dug it. I thought it was really cool having only read one other book in the resistance universe, which was knighted, um, you know, and even with that, I didn't feel lost. I didn't feel like I I needed to read the other, the other stories just to get what's going on. It's all very clear. So these are, you know, standalone series in a greater world, um, which I think is the best way to do it. To not have to have someone do homework before they read a comic, you could just pick this comic up and just dive right in uh, and really enjoy, uh, you know, some really nice artwork, it's uh, some really good line, like kind of like thin line work. And there's a really cool part about this. Let's see if I can. So basically, this is the guy you, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see he's uh, there's there's a woman who's kind of you know she's not being mugged there's a hit out on this woman and he's uh, he's he's saving her but you see that there's those you know you see below there's that panel with the guys with the guns but above you see it's a little more lushly painted panel that's how he sees the world he sees the world full of just demons and monsters that he has to stop so you get all these little Moments where you see what's really happening, but you see how he sees it, and I thought Mm. that was a really nice transition. And the difference in the art and the colors it's like a little thicker, uh, denser line style, uh, a little less cell animation style than the real world stuff. Uh, so I thought that was a really cool effect. Uh, so you kind of get the people
0: that he's seeing as like demons are they bad
1: people? Yeah, the be- demons he sees as bad people. In fact, the woman that he's saving, at first he mm. sees her as like the sort of like old crone, but then he saves her and um and she's so happy that he sees her now she's like almost angelic and beautiful, right? So it's 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 interesting how that, you know, his perception of the world is is different from what reality is. And I think that's a really good hook as well. Huh. Uh, this is a guy who has just no memory of who he is before waking up in the hospital with these powers. So this is the world he exists in, uh in his own head.
0: So do we get more information on the plague? Is it man-made? Is it you know uh, that came out of existence? We don't you know. You
1: know, not in not in this, and I don't even really remember in knighted uh too right. much of that. So I'm wondering if that is in some of the other books. Right. Specifically, like resistance, the first. See, but united,
0: at least we knew that we knew what the antagonist was. Do we know who the antagonist or what the antagonist is in this book? At this point, no. It's just huh. establishing your two characters, and then they meet at the end
1: uh, during an inciting incident, and then it's going to go from there. It's a six-issue mini, just like uh, the Madness was, and uh, you know. So again, we've just put these two characters together, so we're going to see their relationship uh, develop. And and it goes from there. So again, it's you don't need a lot of information going in. You can just enjoy this for what it is. And I thought it was really good. I thought it was, you know, Straczynski mm. is one of the best in the field as far as writing. Uh, Mike Choi, really good, competent uh, artist. Everything was was easily interpreted. Uh, right. So I really I liked it. I'm along for the ride on this one. And maybe this might be the book that's going to be. I'm going to be like, okay, now I want to see more of these
0: resistance stuff. But cool. All right, great. Check it out, guys. You and I from uh, AWA. All right, my turn. Uh, All I have to say is Thunder, Thunder, Thundercat. All right, so yeah, so we've been talking about uh, Dynamite uh, having a whole different line that they've not been used to putting out. So they hope got a whole bunch of licenses from the Disney. I didn't realize that this is Warner Brothers. Interesting. both Thundercats, right? Well, Uh, because there's it says it inside the Indisha. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I had so no idea what Brothers, wake up and give us a thundercats movie so here's the deal let me get through the credits first declan Shalvey, fantastic writer uh artist Lumos. uh colors you have Chiara oh i'm gonna mess this up boy Francia and Martina Fijodoli. I messed that up so badly and then mm-hmm. us by gel uh okay and the DNA cover this is the best thing about this book not this right here I knew it. Fuck yeah! Who did that cover? Know, shiny. <laughs> uh, no, shiny. covers. There's no ankles. Like, that's uh, not Liefeld. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> he's doing like I think a couple more issues too. So I'm getting every single one of them as well. I, like um, I, I shouldn't say that. That's uh, the best thing about this. All right. So here's the deal. I w- I was really looking forward to this. I'm not disappointed by any means whatsoever. Because uh, I think Declan is just really great at you know both drawing and writing. It's, it's, it's an origin story. So if you don't know Thundercats, then this is really great because it, it gives you a similar origin to what we got in, in the cartoon with a couple of changes. Here's the deal though. While reading this, because as a kid, you don't really question anything. You just take it for face value and you go along with the adventure. As we become adults, we, we want answers to things that don't make fucking sense to us. So I went down a deep hole and I was like, okay, in the beginning sequence, and even here in the beginning, they escape Thundera, mm-hmm. right? Because it's being attacked. So the world's being blown up, whatever it is. And in in this book, the mutants want uh, the sort of Omens. Mm-hmm. So while they're leaving the planet to go somewhere else, They end up in third earth. So I wanted to know, are they in the same solar system? Mm. So I went down the hole of how far is Thundera from third earth. And there's nothing. (laughs) There's a shitload of maps of third earth. Like people have drawn maps of third earth. And I think they usually did the cartoon Mm -hmm. um, for all the places that they were or whatever they use to create maps of that. So I know what freaking third earth looks like. I don't know where it is in relation to Thundera. Now, in the book, they all go into stasis pods, which makes sense because they're going to be on a long trip. So now I know if they're not in the same solar system, maybe they're somewhere outside of a different solar system. It makes sense for them to be in the same solar system. Solar systems are huge. So they're in stasis, and Lionel's stasis pod is broken. So he's the only one that ages. So he's a cub when he goes in, and then he's a man when he comes out yet he's still cub mentality because his body has grown, but mentally he's still just a boy and stuff like that. And I think we got that in, not, not the original version, but I think in like later versions and like the 2000 version, that was that was similar to what happened where Lionel was still just the boy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, same thing here, Yaga, uh, Jaga dies um, on that trip um, there, but there's a twist at the end, which is weird. And this is why I went down the rabbit hole you left thundera to protect the sword of omens and your race of people who all die except for one ship which is the ship that they're on so they're all the thunderians that survive but yet in the cartoon we know that more survived because on freaking third earth they just kept popping up every season uh so i don't know what's going to happen here uh so My thing was, okay, if the sword of omens on Fundera was a thing, how the hell did people on third earth know about the sword of omens, AKA Mumra, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: feeling the power of the sword of omens? So they have to be in the same planetary system. They have to be. That's what I'm telling myself. So if anybody knows the answers to this, please, please tell me that they're like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Because even if they travel from Earth to Mars in stasis pods, that's going to be how many months? Six months, nine months, whatever it's going to be traveling. So he's not going to grow unless the acceleration rate for Cubs is faster than humans. So now I'm going to fucking rabble. I'm trying to make sense of it. He was hit with cosmic rays like the Fantastic Four and it just grew him up. But the only reason why I went down that rabbit hole is because Mumbra sensed the sort of omen but so mm-hmm. he knew what the sort of Omens was. So how does he know what the sort of Omens is being on Third Earth and not of Thundera? Because he's, yeah, Mamra was never from Thundera. No. Even
1: though he is a cat person, um, because he has been on Third Earth for a long, because there's a whole ancient temple, and he's an Correct. old guy, and it's not like right. he was maybe, I, mean, I was thinking maybe oh, maybe he was exiled to Third Earth from Thundera ages ago.
0: But so then that know. means the ship knew where it was going. Right. When it left. I, you know what? I'll take that. I'll, I will fucking take that. If that's the deal that he was banished and he was exiled <laughs> to third earth a long time ago and it became this mummy thing, boom, I'll take it. Because or, what's really great. Oh, wait, wait. I have to. I'm, <laughs> normally I don't do spoilers. Yeah. But this has fucked me up at the end. So Declan, yeah, you got me. Yeah. Uh, um. Hold on. I'm going to spoil it first. So if you haven't read it. Look away now. Three, two, one. <laughs> That's Mumra. Who's behind him? Oh, is that uh, the 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 Jaga. Tag, Right? Yeah. Yes, and he knows who he is. So I think your fucking theory is right. Or, they know each other. Or
1: they were they started on Third Earth, and then they migrated.
0: No, because why would they go back? There. Uh, makes no sense. <laughs> no, there's no sense. I like that idea. I like that idea that Mumbra's actually a cat person, and was exiled, Third Earth. And so when these mutants came for the Sword of Omens, and destroyed the whole planet or whatever it was, and then they went and they, you no, know, went to Third Earth. Mm-hmm. So because to have that relationship between him and Jock, ja- or him knowing who Jaga was, that was kind of weird. So yeah. I, I I need to know what Declan has up his sleeve with this particular book. What was also really cool is the designs. Mm-hmm. So, let me do this real quick. Uh, that way you guys can actually see a little bit more of it. But if you look at Tigra, he has sort of like this mustache thing going on. Yeah, cool. With the whiskers, which is pretty cool. Everyone else kind of stood the same with uh, Shatara, Wally Kill, Cat. Uh, Panther got a little bit of a change as well. Um, so, I do like the updates on it. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. If you're a fan of the Thundercats, I think this is worth definitely picking up. Um, I mean, the first issue... And the thing with dynamite books that bothers me as well, like first issues, they're thin as hell. I mean, yeah. Look at this. It's, it's paper thin. It's 22 <laughs> pages. And I was just like, this would have been great as a double sized book. He would have got a little bit more story behind, especially for people that know the story of Thundercats. We would have got something a little bit more. I did get a little bit out of that, that ending because now I need to know what the relationship between Mumra and Jaga is because mm-hmm. that's fucking me up. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if this isn't ongoing, I don't think it said it was a meme or anything like that, but hopefully if, you know, I don't think Declan's going to stay on probably more than six to 12 issues either. So usually when they change creative teams, that's when books start to die off. So if he has a story that he wants to tell, I hope that, he you know, gets it out because definitely, definitely interested, uh, another origin story, but you know, some stuff that was thrown in there, it kind of just, you know, shifted the rocks a little bit, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I'll, I'll take Lifefeld any day. So yeah, he's going to do a couple more covers on there as well. And true to dynamite form, there were like 90,000 covers. Uh one of the really cool covers was the uh, symbol foil of the ThunderCats logo. Uh was pretty cool on there. So um if you have no idea what the ThunderCats are, this is probably a good jumping point on as well for those of you that, you know, like the ThunderCats, you're going to see a really good callback to to the cartoon and then um, some stuff thrown in there. So, so I'm in. I'm in. Declan, just, uh, yeah, if you want to come on and just let me know what's going on there, that'd be fantastic. Amazingactioncomments.com slash podcast. It's <laughs> your turn.
1: Uh, I said, so I think a great twist for this, thunder cat, this new Thundercats, they're actually cats. They're feral cats living in a dumpster, but they're
0: delusional. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, I was looking at their hands to see if it was actual like hand, like human hands, like the movie Cats. Yeah. <laughs> With that era. Remember that yep. was, uh what was her face? Uh uh Judy Judy Dench or something. Okay. Her hands were real hands. Yeah. They weren't cat hands. So they okay. forgot to CGI her hands.
1: Oh, they forgot.
0: Yes. They never yes. saw it, so I don't know. No, yeah. oh forget it. Yeah. So it was released in the movies with her, her actual human hands. And people <laughs> were like, ew.
1: I remember. I remember there was a big uproar about the cat butts in the uh, the cats movie that they animated the actual cat butts, <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh yeah, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that."
0: I don't yeah, know. It's all good. <laughs> all right, well, check it out. The cats from Dynamite. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, it's all good. All right, you got one more. What's up? Yeah. So speaking of
1: hands, uh, this is from Image. It is called the One Hand, and this is written by Ram V. It is illustrated by Lawrence Campbell, colored by Lee Loffridge, lettered by Aditya Bidikar, designer Tom Muller, editor Will Dennis, and production artist Rich Fowles. Uh, So this is really, really cool. This is sort of right up in my alley as far as uh, a real sort of dark crime noir uh, story about a serial killer who – and you're following a cop and he's, you know, he's one of those grizzled at the end of his career, just doesn't want to be there, but has a job to do kind of cops who goes to therapy, which is how the book starts. And I thought that was kind of a neat little hook. Uh, So basically he had solved this murder of the one hand killer twice. That so basically they're the you know people are getting killed almost seven style, and mm. um, and there's these sort of uh, intricate like drawings on the walls of the murder victims. You can kind of see like sort of like almost like these little patterns, and right. then a handprint, right? That's cool. And that's the earmark of all of these of these murders. So he caught one guy, and then the murders started happening again. And then he winds up catching another guy. And so were they in tandem? Were they copycat killers? Uh, no one really knows for sure. But then it starts happening again. And so he, you know, and again, it's like Seven. He is close to retirement. Uh, and, and and he, you know, has this one last case that he is compelled to solve. Uh, the case of the one-hand killer. So, The art is amazing. It really reminds me a lot of like the Sean Phillips stuff, you know, the Ed Brubaker, reckless criminal, Mm. uh, Andrea Sorrentino style, um, that kind of stuff. You know, the noir aspect is very, you know, Almost very Bendis in that respect. I'm hit or miss with Ron V, but I really liked this. I was just, I, I really enjoyed his dialogue and his character work and the development of that. Uh Lawrence Campbell was a great artist on this. The only hang-up I have with this is that it takes place, it tells you it takes place in the year 2873. Yet everything looks like 1973. <laughs> like so, I was like, "Well, wow, there's Listen, there, everything
0: comes full circle.
1: Everything comes full circle, yeah." And so I was sort of like, "Well, that's a little weird. That you know, the the, the only thing that is, is is indicating that this is that far in the future was this one little thing. Everything else just feels very contemporary, um, or you know, you could even say hundred years in the future. However, there is a bit with sort of a." Um, uh, uh, like almost like a a, a robot brothel with like sort of Mm. holograms Mm. so okay so that's a little futuristic there uh it's kind of interesting because you have this really really nice scene with this detective and who you think is his his wife or whatever and they're you know he's talking about what's going on and she's there to console him and then all of a sudden she just glitches out and freezes and then you realize, oh, this is this is what he goes to this brothel to 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 pretend as if he has a wife and a confidant that he can, you know, uh, uh, share this, everything he's going through with. Uh, and it turns out she's a robot and that it glitches on him. And it's kind of frustrating for him in that moment. So like mm-hmm. the only thing that but again, I felt like that could have uh, 800 years in the future. I thought was that's that, that I don't that's know. Right. Yeah, it was a little little. Much as far as that goes, so I kind of just put that aside in my head and I said, Okay, this takes away some point in the future. Uh, really cool, dark, noir book, and this is what's really neat about this. So, this book is bi monthly, so the one hand issue two will come out in March, right? The reveal at the end of this, and I don't know, I'm not gonna, I'm not worried about giving away too much, but he looks again at the handprint on the new crime scene and he notices a smudge to the side and he goes, This new killer, he's got six fingers. On the one hand, and then in the at back, there's a preview for a bo- an issue number one coming out in February called The Six Finger. Huh. So it's uh it's an alternating uh yeah, the Six Fingers number one coming out in February or uh at the end of this month. So it, it
0: could be uh Inigo Montoya,
1: it could be in, uh, or the, oh, guy, no, the uh, other guy, the guy who yeah, killed Inigo guy. Montoya's father, yeah. yeah. So um so it's great. So you get basically you uh it's very similar to when they did the X lives and X deaths of Wolverine. Mm. I, I, right. <laughs> but how they alternated, right? Yes. So this is what they're doing. <laughs> you got the one hand that comes out this week, and then in a couple, three weeks, you have the sixth finger, the six fingers, and then boom, one hand number two, six fingers number two. Uh you know, basically you get two books a month telling the same story from two different perspectives because the one hand is following the cop. The Six Fingers is following the killer. Huh. So it's really neat. And to me, um, a big Thomas Harris nerd who the guy who wrote, you know, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Red Dragon, the first novel, um, very Thomas Harris type of story here with this serial killer and this messed up cop trying to find it, find him. So it's very Red Dragon esque. And in Red Dragon, you're not only you're following Will Graham, you're also following the killer. Right. So uh, I thought that 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 was for me as far as a crime Noir mystery thing uh, I love that I love when you can Have the guy looking for the killer But you also are able to get into the head of the killer Right
0: so is the um, killer targeting This specific this specific cop
1: No the killer is just I mean as far as we know Right now killers right. just do it just A copycat redoing the Old crimes um, Possibly To get this guy's attention we're not there yet Right. We you know we really don't know who the killer is, and it's going to be interesting to see how you can keep that mystery of who the killer is yeah. while that killer's carrying his own book. So I'm really looking forward to the Six Fingers number one to see how this is done. But as of a, as a setup and a concept, I thought this was really cool. And the other neat thing about this is that Ron V and Lawrence Campbell aren't doing the Six Fingers. The Six Fingers is written by Dan Waters and illustrated by uh, Sumi Kumar. Huh. But your colorists and, and every and your letterer, that's yeah. all the same people. So that look will be unified. But the you have two
0: different... It's smart to probably have two different creative teams because it's two different people. Yeah. If they get into the head of two different people. Yeah. I almost wonder if they would have benefited doing it like Local Man, where it was a flip book that so was on the same. But I guess no, because they wanted to come out bi-monthly. Yeah. And this, you know, so
1: I would say like you and I, we've talked about this, you and I, um, you know, was a little, it was a thinner book, right? So it just was very light. It was a really quick exposition and you don't really get the two characters to actually see each other until the last page. Mm. Uh, This has a lot of room to breathe, right? And so I think a, a flip book like that would have cut into uh, right. the, the organic room that this this needs to breathe, right? So um, plus you make more money by having yeah. two different books. Of course. <laughs> so, of course.
0: Right, who's the publisher?
1: Uh, that is image. It's image. another right, knockout by image, yeah. So yeah, the, the one hand. hand. The one so hand. I will definitely be picking up the six fingers. I will definitely continue with this Um, I don't know if I'm gonna review Six Fingers because I'm almost right now in my head. I'm like, well, that's just issue two of the one hand, but we'll right. see if it, if it really knocks knocks my socks off. Then I'll I'll definitely talk about that a little bit too. To right. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it'll be the first issue of the Six Fingers, so it'd be interesting to see that perspective of the the killer. Yeah, and the how it's done. And
1: Dana Waters is a good writer, too. I've liked some of his stuff recently, so uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to see uh, to see where this goes. I just love that idea. I love the idea of the two titles, one following the cop, the other following the killer, and where right. we're, we're, we're going to go with this.
0: All right, we'll check it out. All right, that deserves a <laughs> <applause>. <laughs> All right, fantastic. All right, gang, that is all that we have for you this week. Uh, just really quickly remembering <laughs> you can head over to AmazingActionComics.com for details for our crowdfunding that we have, for project shadow breed volume two number one i got to talk to justin and see if i get him on so that we can chat up about this book and um, yeah. more information and stuff like that it's been a while since we've had him on so i, I think that would be cool um, to have nice. him on there so yeah so cool um if you like what you hear uh please please subscribe to the podcast um better yet tell 100 other people to subscribe to the podcast as well um we'd love to, to get your input as well um, if you want to come on to the show, you have something that you want to promote yourself and or artwork or project, amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast. Fill up the form. Uh, John and I would love to have you on uh, the show. Uh, visit amazingactioncomics.com. Stay up to date on everything that we got going on over there. And most importantly, dude, I- I'm telling you right now, I, like on Instagram, it's just great. I, I got to get off social media. There's like <laughs> three or four comic book shops that are closing down, mm-hmm. closing down, just mm-hmm. making announcements. Hey, guys uh after you know x amount of years it's just it's, it's not feasible we're not making anything we're spending more and you know they're selling everything from whatever they have uh in their inventory to the actual freaking shelves and and, and, and uh fixtures that they have so it's just it's it's sad it's mm-hmm. no it, it's not in it's more like out west and midwest kind of areas but you know if it happens enough it, it, it's gonna spread um and I'm just, I'm fearful of that. Hopefully, we'll be long and dead before the last comic shop, uh, true comic shop store closes. Um, But yeah, get out there, support your local comic shops because without us, they're they're just not going to be around. And the less sales there are, the less stuff that's going to be out there. Uh, John, where do you get your books from?
1: Well, I get my comic shop. Uh, I get my comic books at the last comic shop on earth, The Joker's Child in Fairlaw, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, you know, 35 plus years. Uh, we're still going strong over at The Joker's Child. But you know what? I see it. I see how uh, how tough it is, uh, you know, especially for these people that just really give their lives to running uh, a comic shop. Uh, it is It is definitely a thankless uh, uh, uh Industry in that respect mm-hmm. but people You know what people come in They love to come into the shop they love Talking to Glenn and Karen They love talking to the guys of the staff uh, We love talking to each other Comic shops are more than just a place To get your four color crack and your Action figures and your statues uh, They're communities there are communities where people have forged Really lasting and solid Friendships uh, I know that Just a lot of people in my life life That I just you know would not have had If it wasn't for places like the Joker's Child and other local comic shops So yeah it, angels hit the nail on the head Man it's a shame when stores shutter But let's do everything as we Can as consumers to keep These stores going because um, Man they would be terrible If there were no comic shops in the world it just really there would be.
0: Absolutely will be and you get one of these, just for saying, four color crack. All right, kiddies, that is all that we have for you this week. Uh, we'll be back here the same that time. Remember that we do have a guest coming up, so look out. I believe Tuesday we'll be launching it, Dennis Robinson of hivehead Studios. He's got a werewolf book, too, as well. So, we're kind of excited to talk to him, um, and get that out there to you as well. So, until next time, kiddos, please be amazing. Stay amazing and read something amazing.